and we are now at chapter five, and it starts with Callahan. Actually, that's the first line. So that's that's you. Yep. <clears throat> chapter five, summertime, and the living is easy. Jeff, I need a favor. Mm-hmm. Jeff replied, not raising his head from the papers he was marking. I need somebody killed, and you were recommended as having a mean touch with a switchblade. Uh, what the heck, Callahan? That time, he looked up. Now he listens. The redhead snarked as she lowered herself into the seat opposite of him. I need to borrow your body on Saturday night. Jeff finally put his pen down and met her gaze. Unfortunately, I think I'll be using it. Callahan ignored him. Cuthbert, Dibby, and Grubb are having their summer ball, and the senior partners have made it clear that attendance is mandatory, interns included. I need somebody to stand next to me all evening so the junior partners don't hit on me as soon as their wives' backs are turned. You don't want a date. You want a chaperone. How very 1950s of you, Jeff smirked. She rolled her eyes. Well? Saturday is only three days away. What makes you think I don't have plans? Do you? Well, no. But it's still wrong of you to just assume. Jeff was looking somewhat offended now. Don't be a jag, Jeff. Worst case scenario, it's free food and drinks. You get a chance to wear that tux that's hiding at the back of your wardrobe, and you get to spend the night with a hot redhead. I thought I was supposed to be going with you. She scrunched up the piece of scrap paper she'd been idly playing with and threw it at him. Jeff grinned. You're only asking me because I'm the only guy you know who's still taller than you when you wear heels. Damn right. It certainly isn't for your charm or wit, Jeff. Unfortunately, I know more lawyers than I do basketball players. Jeff smiled again. I'll wear the tux if you wear the little black dress. Deal. Deal. Saturday, Saturday. night. Oh, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Jeff took one last look in his bedroom mirror, adjusted his bow tie by a fraction, and critically examined his hair one last time before pronouncing it acceptable and heading out into the main room. He wasn't in the slightest bit surprised to see Callahan had yet to emerge from her room, so he contented himself with taking out his phone and passing the time checking his updates. While he waited, he found his thoughts drifting off to his flatmate. In truth, Mel Callahan was an odd part of Jeff's life. She started off as one of his students, enrolling in Greendale to resume her education after a brutal divorce, who had taken out her anger on a teacher she thought wasn't up to the job. As Jeff had tightened up his act, in no small part to stop her from humiliating him in his own classroom, their relationship had eased and they had grown closer, until on the night of the transfer dance, when she officially left Greendale, they had not only danced together, but she'd gone back to his apartment afterwards. Neither, neither of them pretended to be in love, but they had fun. They were physically compatible, and each was what the other needed at that point in their lives. Despite her tough, sarcastic exterior, Callahan had severe confidence issues centered, c- yeah, centered around her height. She was 5 feet 11 in bare feet, 6 feet 3 in heels which had not been helped when her husband cheated on her with his secretary, who was eight inches shorter than her, saying nastily, nastily he was fed up with 
fed up of not being the masculine one in their marriage. Most other men she met treated her either as a freak or a fetish object. But Jeff, who topped out at six feet four, treated her as a woman and a desirable one at that. For his part, Jeff was, at least occasionally, honest enough to admit there was a hole in his life that needed a somewhat brittle but bright overachiever who used a ferocious dedication to hard work to mask emotional insecurities and a surprisingly caring outlook to fill it. He had barely bothered to object when Abed coined the reboot Annie tag barely five minutes after meeting Callahan the first time. They had had an agreeable <clears throat> friends with benefit relationship for most of that summer until she moved to CU Boulder Law School, at which point they stopped sleeping together without rancor and never did it again, though they remained friends. Quite simply, Callahan was the first person unconnected to the study group that Jeff had formed a healthy relationship with, and he remained grateful to her for proving that his ability to form such relationships was not a one-time only deal. After a couple of minutes of this musing, his phone vibrated as he received a text announcing their taxi had arrived. He fired off a reply and shouted out, Taxi's here. We need to get moving. Almost ready, shouted her voice from the other room. Miracle of miracles, she was, and two minutes later, she walked out of her room. Well? Jeff pretty blatantly checked her out. She'd kept her promise and worn the little black dress. He grinned appreciatively, took in the red hair cascading past her shoulders, ruby lipstick, small black tote bag, and silver sandals with painted nails, and allowed his gaze to travel back up again. From a girl, for a girl from the wrong side of the tracks, you clean up surprisingly well. You're a pig, Jeff. But she was smiling back at him as she walked towards him. Jeff went to the front door of his flat and held it open. After you, he bowed slightly. The taxi dropped them off at the Country House Hotel. That was the venue for the summer ball. Jeff opened the door for Callahan and helped her out, then linked arms with her as they walked up to the front door, reflecting idly as he did how unusual it was not to feel a downward pressure on his arm as he did so. Uh, funny, funnily enough, I was thinking the same thing. She said, as she said when she shared. Wait, <laughs> she said when he shared his thoughts. Callahan handed over her ticket at the entrance, and they were directed to the ballroom where the function was taking place. At the entrance was an official photographer. They posed, and Jeff paid the extra small, extra sum to have the picture downloaded to his phone by Bluetooth. As they walked in, Jeff was already typing on his phone. Jeff, we've only been here five minutes, Callahan hissed at him. Just this one, I promise. He grinned at her as he hit send and put his phone away. It better be. Now get me a drink. There's a deer. There's somebody I, I need to talk to. Jeff saw her looking at one of the senior partners. He turned off, the, he turned off to the bar. Facebook update. Picture of Jeff and Callahan, arms around each other's waist and smiling for the camera. Doing arm candy duty at C, D, and G Summer Ball. Open bar. Annie was just finishing loading the dishwasher after the dinner party she and Paul were hosting for some of their friends that evening when she heard her phone vibrate. She had a quick look at the update, rolled her eyes, and then went back to the dishes. When she finished, she picked up the phone again and poured herself a glass of wine. She considered resisting the temptation, then sighed, opened up another window, and started typing. Hi, Britta. Are you free? Let me guess. You want to know who the redhead is? No. Do you think I'm that shallow? Okay, then. 
What do you want to ask? Well, now that you've mentioned it, blushing emoji. Smiling emoji. She's Mel Callahan, just former student, friend, and occasional bedmate. I remember that name, and he thought. Jeff never said anything about her being back, and he felt vaguely upset, even as she acknowledged she had no right to be. Then she looked again at what Britta had written. What? They're sleeping together? Believe Jeff. She's just crashing in a spare room. But really, look at her, and remember, this is Jeff Winger we're talking about. The man isn't capable of that much self-discipline. Oh, he managed it for six years when it came to me, and he thought slightly bitterly. Yes, he is. Blushing emoji. Sorry, Annie. It's okay. Look, I've got to go now. Paul thinks I'm loading the dishwasher. Winking emoji. Speak again soon. Love you, Britta. Love you too, Annie. Bye. Jeff found himself wondering if he'd been relegated to the role of waiter when for the third time in an hour and a half, he'd found himself coming back from the bar with a Michael Collins. Foul waste of a good whiskey. For Callahan, while she charmed whichever partners were nearby. I was supposed to be protecting her from predatory partners, but it looks like they're the ones who need protection, he found himself thinking. He didn't mind too much as he had networking of his own to do. Cuthbert, Dibble, and Grubb were good sponsors of the Justice Pro Project, and he had hopes of talking to them into funding another intern for fall semester, and he'd already had a friendly chat with Darren Grubb, so was feeling content for the time being. His moon darkened, however, when he returned and saw Callahan had been cornered by someone he devoutly hoped never to see again. Tango! Tango! The other man said with a nervous grin. What the hell are you doing with my date, Alan? This hottie's yours? Alan laughed nervously. <laughs> hey, first come, first serve, dude. He made a show of backing off. off. Uh, I think that's that you. Me? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. Oh, wait, no, no, this is me. For that oh. matter, what the hell are you doing here? The last time I saw you, you were ambulance chasing on late night, on, on a late night ad on public access TV. Alan suddenly looked desperate. My firm isn't doing well, and I've applied for a job here. This party is supposed to be an audition for something. You won't say anything to anyone, will you? Alan. If I can go through the rest of my life forgetting I ever knew you, I would be a happy man. Let's just say it would be a very bad idea indeed to cite me as a reference. Now run away before I ask you for your tie. Ellen went pale, turned around and scurried away. Jeff turned to face Callahan, who had a broad smile on her face. There's a story there, isn't there, she said. You can say that, said Jeff grimly. It's not one to share when we're supposed to be having a good time. In that case, then, she said, I've only got one question. She took the drink Jeff had fetched her and drained it in a simple gulp. He raised an eyebrow curiously. I'm wearing a hot dress. You're wearing a tuxedo, which does not look awful on you. We've both had a few drinks and there's music playing. Why the hell are we not dancing? Jeff grinned suddenly, took her hand in his and span her out onto the dance floor. Jeff had drunk enough scotch that his arm around Callahan's shoulders as he staggered through his apartment's door was more about support than intimacy. She'd drunk enough cocktails that her arm was around his waist for similar reasons. Nightcap, Jeff said somewhat blearily as they staggered to a halt near the kitchen counter. Sure, 
she said. She replied. Jeff went over to one of the cabinets, took out a bottle of scotch and two glasses. He poured out a slug into each glass and turned back to face Callahan, who had lifted herself up so she was sitting on the breakfast bar. Jeff took up this position leaning against his fridge and facing her. He barely bothered to hide the fact he was looking at her legs. She barely bothered to hide the fact she knew and didn't mind. He passed her a glass that then clinked his against. Cheers, he said. Cheers, she replied. What are we toasting? Um, that I managed to get through the evening without punching Alan in the face. She shook her head ponderously. Alan should be punched. He's a slime ball. Not by me. Too pretty for prison, Jeff pointed to his face. So put, I'm on the stand and let the jury nullify. If anyone's got a face that needs punching, it's him. Sounds like a plan, Jeff grinned. Remind me next time. My hero, she smiled, slipped down off the breakfast bar and closed the gap between them. She braced her hands on the fridge and either side of his, his shoulders and leant, leaned leant, forward. Jeff stopped her from closing by holding his glass up in front of him until he, it was pressing on her collarbone. Don't think I didn't notice you called me your date, she said with a soft smile. You're drunk, Cal, Cal, Mel, he said. So are you, Jeff? The question is, are you drunk enough? Jeff gravely pondered the wisdom of this statement for a moment, then put his glass down. His last coherent thought as she closed in for the kiss was the last time he kissed a woman like this. He'd, he'd have to bend a long way forward. It felt almost odd to be standing upright instead. Next morning, Jeff woke up to the sensation of a marching band parading through his skull. Something warm and heavy was pressing against his right flank, and his arm was tingling with pins and needles. He opened his eyes cautiously to see a tangled mass of red hair resting on his upper arm. He cautiously lifted up his bedsheet, only to see that the weight pressing on him was Callahan's body, stretched full length alongside him and entirely naked. He dropped the sheet and shut his eyes. Oh no, not again, he moaned. He eased his arm out from under her, taking care not to wake her up, and got up, wincing slightly. He put on a dressing gown and walked to his bathroom, where he helped himself to a couple of aspirin and a glass of water. Then he staggered to the kitchen, where he poured some orange juice and a pot of coffee on the go. By the time he'd put some bacon in the grill and cracked some eggs into a bowl, was beating them to make an omelet, Callahan appeared, wearing one of his Greendale sweatshirts and a pair of exercise shorts. She mumbled her thanks, when he slid a mug of coffee over to her and sat down at the breakfast bar. She looked up at him through, his, through bloodshot eyes. Nothing happened last night. It wasn't a question. Nope, not a thing, Jeff agreed. Good. What's for breakfast? Nothing happened that they needed to talk about two nights earlier, either. Nor the night after that. By the following weekend, the spare room had mostly gone back to being a spare room. That wasn't something they felt they needed to talk about, either. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Intriguing. <clears throat> Chapter 6 Summer's Ending. Wait. Oh, this I, th is I think I think you're going to have to be Britta in this case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know that face. I spent most of a year looking at it. That's the smug you look. I mean, that's the smug look you get when you're having sex. You're sleeping with Mel, Britta said bluntly before Jeff even finished sitting down. 
They were having lunch in the Greendale cafeteria as it was one of the two days a week that Britta worked as a teaching assistant to Duncan in the psychology department. Jeff still remembered with a shudder the day he walked into Duncan's office and caught them kissing. So it was easiest to meet for lunch on campus. Good afternoon to you too, Britta, Jeff said blandly. And you've been saying that since Mel first moved in. Why the grim face now? Because before I was only trying to wind you up. Now you really are doing it. Jeff looked as though he was about to say something, then changed his mind. You know what, Britta? I'm not going to fight you on this. We're both grown-ups, we like each other, and we're unattached. What we do is nobody's business but our own. I just can't believe you're sleeping with Mel now. You've got Annie back. Britta grumbled. Jeff's face went grim. Annie and Mel have nothing to do with each other, Britta. Annie and I are friends. I haven't got her back as she was never mine in the first place. And what's more, she's in a relationship that makes her happy, and I'm happy for her. In fact, and Jeff said this as though scoring a killer point, I'm going back to D.C. next week at the end of August, and I haven't even told her yet. Never mind trying to coordinate dates to meet her. What? You're going back? And expect me to believe it's not? it's got nothing to do with Annie? Yep. Ever since Mark moved there, I promised him I'd visit if I was ever in D.C. But I didn't when I was at the conference because I was too busy. I also didn't get to do the sightseeing I wanted. So I contacted Mark not long after getting back. And not only did he agree to see me, but he's offered me a room in his house, so all cost me is the gas to get there. Nothing to do with Annie at all. He grinned triumphantly at her. His face went grim. I'm serious, Britta. This trip is about Mark and I. It's about spending a few days with the only guy who stayed friends with me after my old life crashed and burned. It's not about Annie. I'll probably say something to her closer to that time, and if she can free up a slot for lunch or something, that'd be great. But it's not why I'm going back, and I don't want you to be saying anything to her and getting her stressed about thinking I'm stalking her or something. I'm glad Annie's back in our lives, but I'm not going to be a jerk about it and put pressure on her. This trip really is about spending quality guy time with an old friend. Well, Jeff... Britta actually looked impressed. It's been a while since I heard you give a really good old-fashioned winger speech. If I didn't know you so well, it would be so easy to believe you. Don't worry. Jeff looked like he was about to interrupt. Britta overrode him. I'll keep your secret and not say a word to Annie. But if you come back and tell me you two accidentally bumped into each other and spent a weekend locked in a hotel room or something... I'll remind you of this conversation. Not going to happen, Britta, Jeff said firmly. Anything interesting? Mel Callahan was sprawled full length on Jeff's sofa, her phone in one hand and a martini in the other, her feet planted firmly in Jeff's lap. He just made a happy grunting sound. Jeff showed her his tablet. Mark's replied confirming the dates. He can put me up for a week starting the Sunday after you go back to Boulder. If I hit the road early Saturday morning and only stop to eat and sleep, I should be there by Sunday afternoon. That's a bit tight. I'm only going on the Friday. It's good, actually. The apartment will feel a bit quiet and empty after you're gone, so a road trip will be just the distraction I need. Oh, Jeff, you're going to miss me. The Callahan smile was at least as much sarcastic as affectionate. Hey, he just tickled the sole of her feet. Hey, his hand had started to travel up her leg, and then she jumped off the couch and ran over to the radio. Cool it, Jeff. But a show is about to start. 
Make sure you've got your scotch and your buzzword bingo and card ready. Britta Perry, ruining my sex life since 2009, Jeff muttered. But he settled down for their weekly drinking game. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Talking you through um, to midnight. I'm rough and ready Eddie Bonelli. <laughs> and tonight for her regular Thursday evening slot, I'm joined by Colorado's hottest finazi, fem feminazi, <laughs> Professor Britta Perry from Greendale Community College, who will be offering advice on all your cool relationship and emotional problems. So Britta, shaved your legs recently? More recently than you've shaved your back, Eddie. And I think we all know who needs it more. Opening bars of Teddy Bear's Picnic Play. <laughs> Sorry. Despite, despite the late hour, 10 o'clock in Colorado meant midnight in Virginia, Annie smiled fondly as she listened to the live feed from the Greendale FM website. Her curiosity had been aroused when she'd seen the link on Britta's Facebook page, along with the description, co-host of the Thursday late night late show. So when she found herself still reading the case files at half past 11, at night, she decided to stay up an extra hour just to listen to what she was fairly certain would be a train wreck. Instead, as she listened, she was struck by two things. Firstly, hearing her friend's voice for the first time in almost five years, she realized Jeff was right. Britta had recovered her season one smarts, and now she was channeling Abed, since giving up hot. <laughs> and secondly, she'd really enjoyed listening to the gossip and trivia about life in Greenville that Britta and her co-hosts were discussing in between music tracks and phone calls. Though she was also feeling somewhat Wistful? In the end, it was well past one o'clock in the morning before she went to bed. For the for first, the first time, oops, oh, go, ahead. go ahead. Oh, for the first time in five years, Annie Edison was feeling homesick. Ugh, cried Annie in disgust as she pushed a pile of papers across her desk and away from her and rubbed her forehead. Stress headache? The man sitting opposite her asked. She smiled at her partner. I've had them since I was four. You'd think I'd be used to them by now, but it's all this. She waved at her at the paper she'd pushed aside. We know there has to be a leak, but we can't find it. And I swear, if I read the same batch of reports again, I'll... Patient begets glory, Annie, he interrupted with a broad grin. More sick wisdom, Atal? Well, it's either that or Tylenol. Your choice. She smiled. He paused for a moment before continuing. Look. What do you say we take a break and go down to the range? Shooting something should help you de-stress. Shoot, I mean, shoot something is your solution for everything. Anyone would think you had a stereotype to live up to, Mr. Proud Warrior Race Guy. But she was smiling and picking up her bag and walking around the desk to join him. Hey, as stereotypes go, at least it's a cool one. His eyes were glinting with amusement. He says to the Jewish girl. Annie muttered good-naturedly. Naturedly. <laughs> In truth, Annie had often wondered if her senior officers had had less than noble motives in partnering up the office's only Jewish agent with its only sick one. But she'd long since stopped caring as Atal had become the closest thing to a friend she had in the FBI. Oh, she had colleagues who were, whose respect she had earned, and before she'd start seeing Paul, there had been no shortage of guys willing to ask her on dates, but friends, as an invite her, as in invite her home for dinner to meet his wife and bounce their ridiculously cute toddler on her lap, not so much. After we finished at the range, we'll get some coffee, my treat. 
she said. Jeff was feeling vaguely guilty as he watched Callahan walk over to the refrigerator in tracksuit bottoms and a t-shirt and look at its contents with a vaguely puzzled frown on her face. He didn't love her, well, maybe a little, as a friend, a friend who was hot and good in bed, and, and he was pretty sure she felt the same way about him. But he did like her. She was fun to be around, had a sharp wit that he enjoyed sparring with, and hadn't really asked for much from him other than to spend a summer long summer living rent-free and drinking his scotch and a complete freedom to tease him over his self-delusion and denying he's going back to D.C. to see Annie. Jeff tried to think of stuff they'd done other than lounge around the apartment, drink slightly too much, and have really good sex, and found himself coming up embarrassingly short. She's only going to be here another week, and then she's off back to Boulder, he found himself thinking. You owe her, both of you, at least one special occasion. Put on a nice dress, Callahan. We're going out for, to dinner. The redhead looked up from examining the fridge's contents in surprise. We've been sleeping together for almost two months, Professor, and now you finally get around to asking me on a date? Jeff smiled at her. Summer school's over, which means I'll start getting stir-crazy if I don't get out of the apartment. And you're only here for another week, so not much can go wrong. She smiled at him. I'll get changed. I know just the outfit. Uh, and it's kind of hot when you say sleeping together and Professor in the same sentence. Oh, I think that would have, I think that was supposed to be you. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. I wasn't sure if that was Jeff or her. <laughs> uh, see. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Hello, Magda. So good to see you. Annie leaned forward and kissed Paul's mother politely on the cheek. Annie. <laughs> <laughs> and you too, George. Paul's father got the same treatment. Paul's out the, oh, Paul's out the back manning the barbecue. They were having a family barbecue to celebrate Paul's 39th birthday, and his brothers and a couple of friends from work had already arrived. Annie's relationship with his parents was at best frustrated polite. She got the very strong feeling they didn't approve of him living with someone much younger than himself. And although nothing was said, she suspected the fact she was Jewish didn't help either. But at least they don't blame me for preventing him getting back together with his ex-wife, she thought as his teenage son followed his grandparents into the house. Hello, James, she said, but he ignored her. I've tried so hard to like that boy. I really have, she thought despairingly. As a child of divorce herself, she knew exactly what he was going through, but it didn't help. This is going to be a long day, she sighed. She took a moment, painted a bright smile on her face, and headed down towards the backyard. Jeff was helping Callahan load her car. As the last bag was forced into pretty much the last free space into her beat-up old hatchback, she hesitated slightly, as though gathering her courage over what to say next. Look, Jeff, we've had fun this summer, haven't we? Jeff's eyes widened in surprise. What? Of course. Good. She was getting into her stride. I don't pretend to love you, and I don't expect you to pretend to love me. So, and so long as we both understand that, then what we've been doing is cool. She hesitated again. But what we've been doing isn't cool when you love somebody else. Jeff exhaled as though punched. Mel! Let me finish, Jeff, she said. You're going on your trip to D.C. tomorrow. When you see your girl, tell her how you feel, okay? You've been giving a second chance. You won't get a third. 
Jeff shook his head, but he didn't even pretend not to know what she was talking about. It's too late, Callahan. Annie's with someone else now, and she's happy. We can only be friends now, and that's fine. We work as friends. We've never worked as anything else. She shook her head sadly. Think about it, Jeff, okay? You've done a surprisingly good job over the last few years of turning yourself into a functional human being. You deserve a shot at being happy. Just talk to her. He smiled, sadly. Thanks for coming, Callahan. It's been a good summer. You're an idiot. You know that, don't you? She leaned forward, gave him a firm hug, and kissed him on the cheek. See you at Thanksgiving, okay? She got in her car and started the engine. Goodbye, Melanie, Jeff said quietly as he watched the car drive off. That is the end. Yay. That is the end for today. <laughs> oh my God, I'm getting pumped. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, that was good.